swept him out of the world. Now he was back, and determined to make a mark upon that flashing stage. One of the double entrance gates was opened for him by a slave before he reached it. He galloped through without pause or sideways glance. The wind yelped in his unaccustomed ear like a hound. He lost the familiar note of the bell of the house behind him. The small bells of his harness jingled as the ground responded to his advance. Both Batalix and Frere were low in the southern sky. They flitted among the tree trunks like gongs, the big sun and the small. Lutheran turned his back on them as he reached the village road. Year by year, Frere was sinking lower in the skies of Sibornal. Its sinking called forth fury in the human spirit. The world was about to change. The sweat that formed on his chest cooled instantly. He was whole again, determined to make up for lost time by rutting and hunting like the moles. The Hoxney could carry him to the verge of the trackless Caspian forests, those forests which fell away and away into the deepest recesses of the mountain ranges. One day soon, he planned to fade into the embrace of those forests, to fade and be lost, relishing his own dangerousness like an animal among animals. But first, he would be lost in the embrace of Insil Essikananzi. Lutheran gave a laugh. Yes, you have a wild side, boy, his father had once said, staring down at Lutheran after some misdemeanor or other, staring down with that friendless look of his while placing a hand on the boy's shoulder as if estimating the amount of wildness per bone. And Lutheran had gazed downwards, unable to meet that stare. How could his father love him as he loved his father when he was so mute in the great man's presence? The distant grey roofs of the monasteries showed through the naked trees. Close lay the gates of the Essikananzi estate. He led the brown hoxney slow to a trot, sensing its lack of stamina. The species was preparing for hibernation. Soon all hoxneys would be useless for riding. This was the season for training up the recalcitrant but more powerful Yelk. When a slave opened the Essikananzi gate, the Hoxney turned in at walking pace. The distinctive Essikananzi bell sounded ahead, chiming randomly as the wind took its vein. He prayed to God the Azoiaxic that his father knew nothing of his activities with ondod females, that wickedness he had fallen into shortly before paralysis had overcome him. The Ondods gave what Insil so far refused him. He must resist those inhuman females now. He was a man. There were sleazy shacks by the edge of the forest where he and his school friends, including Umat Essikananzi, went to meet those shameless eight-fingered bitches. Bitches, witches who came out of the woods, out of the very roots of the woods. And it was said that they consorted with male Fagors too. Well, that would not happen again. It was in the past, like his brother's death. And like his brother's death, best forgotten. It was not beautiful, the mansion of the Essikananzes. Brutality was the predominant feature of its architecture. It was constructed to withstand the brutal onslaughts of a northern climate. A row of blind arches formed the base of it. Narrow windows, heavily shuttered, began only on the second floor. The whole structure resembled a decapitated pyramid. The bell in its belfry made a slaty sound, as if ringing from the adamantine heart of the building. Lutheran dismounted, 
climbed the steps and pulled the doorbell. He was a broad-shouldered youth, already lofty in the Sabornalese manner, with a round face seemingly built naturally for merriment. Although at this moment, awaiting sight of Insul, his brows were knit, his lips compressed. The tension of his expression caused him to resemble his father, but his eyes were of a clear grey, very different from his father's dark, indwelling pupils. His hair, curling riotously about his head and the nape of his neck, was light brown, and formed a contrast to the neat, dark head of the girl into whose presence he was ushered. Insil Essikonanzi had the airs of one born into a powerful family. She could be sharp and dismissive. She teased. She lied. She cultivated a helpless manner, or, if it suited her better, a look of command. Her smiles were wintry, more a concession to politeness than an expression of her spirit. Her violet eyes.